The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? Dos gustandos claros! I never know what what Casey's gonna say, but that accent was incredible. Wow. Yes, the theme is Noche UFC. That is what is going down tomorrow night in Las Vegas, the main event. The rematch for the women's flyweight title, Alexa Grasso, six months after shocking the world and absolutely emptying Jed Mishu's bank account, will defend her title against Valentina Shevchenko, the woman she dethroned back at UFC 285. And the closer we get to this fight, the more interested I become. Thank you for joining us for the live Noche UFC preview show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. We have the Prince of Positivity back with us, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. Talked a lot during the weigh-ins. Wow, he's got that dog in him as well. What's up, AK? I'm good. I got a fresh haircut for Noche UFC. I mean, that's, you know, what I, I had to celebrate. I had to look clean for it. And I'm excited with this card. I had a lot of, if you listen, people listen to the Wayne show, there's a lot of weird little, like little nits and things to pick at in this, like fun nits, funness to pick at. So I, I won't go over them again on the preview show, I don't think, uh, unless called upon. Well, I, I might come up in the questions. I got a lot of facts, Mike. I got a lot of fun facts. Ooh, a lot of fun facts. New haircut, AK ready to go. And also joining us, Mr. Hot Take, Mr. No Gray Area, the winner of yesterday's BTL. Let us say hello once again to Mr. Jed Mishu. Jed, how are we feeling on the eve of this rematch? I mean, I was feeling a lot better. I was having a great morning. Got out, played a round of golf, uh, shot an 85 despite not having the appropriate attire and being in a downpour. And then I get on here and I'm attacked. I am personally attacked by 
by you, Mike, not my best friend. Certainly. I don't know. We are, we're enemies. Now you're going to come in, bringing up old history. Mike, the past is for cowards. You live in the past. You die in the past. We are on to now and Noche UFC, not things that happened months ago. We don't need to go there. That's unnecessary, Mike. But leaping over these hurdles make us who we are today. So it's important to remember those moments that mold us into the people we are right now, right? Isn't that an important it's part not, of the story? not a champion mindset. You have a show titled On to the Next One because we're not looking back at what happened months ago. We are on to Noche UFC. That's where we're going, Mike. And then it's on to like three Apex cards in a row and then UFC 294. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear your breakdown of this fight after what happened six months ago. But AK, we haven't heard a gymnastic scale from you on these preview shows in quite some oh. time. We have a title fight. We have a very fascinating welterweight co-main event between Kevin Holland and Jack Della Maddalena. We got the return of Raul Rosa Jr. We have Tracy Cortez versus Jason Jazavizius. This is kind of buried in the prelims. A lot of up-and-coming prospects. A lot of very big favorites taking on scrappy, heavy underdogs in this card. Could be a lot of showcase fights. Where are we at here? What's the gymnastic scale for Noche UFC? I think we got a good rating here for you know what is an, a non-pay-per-view, even though it is headlined by a title fight. I like the fact that they've booked several quote-unquote squash matches. You know, I think I think we'll get into those. We'll dive into those more later. I do like the fact that um, you know some of these are meant to be showcase fights for some of the fighters who uh, either the UFC is invested in or who maybe fit the uh, Mexican Independence Day weekend theme. Um, because it also means there's chance for upsets. And upsets are always fun too, right? So you almost can't go wrong either way. Hopefully we don't have too many, you know, forgettable uh, fit three rounders or something like that. But overall, I think they've mixed this card up right. I think you're going to get good um, competitive three-round contests plus a nice handful of finishes. There's a lot of names on here who I'm happy to see and happy to see uh, that maybe haven't fought in a while. I'll go, it's definitely over an eight. It's definitely like an 8.6. I'll go like an 8.6. I think that's that's how high, I think that's how good this card could be. Um, you, you know, if everything goes great, good finishes, great fights. It's not, I don't think it's going to be a card that we're going to be, you know, uh, remembering a year from now maybe, but it could be one of the better cards uh, by the end of the year. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Jed, on BTL yesterday, you threw out one star on the Mishulin scale. As another day has passed and we're a day closer to this event, do you remain with that score or maybe we added a half star to this? Maybe another full star. Where are we at? No, no, no. There will be no half stars in the Mishulin system. You get the star, <laughs> you don't. This is a high – look, th that's how excellence is rated. You know, It's not, hey, this is a, one of the better one stars. It's you're there or you're not. We draw hard lines in the sand. And this is a one star. It's going to remain a one star. Look, if I was in Los Angeles or whatever, I'm not making the trip to, to Vegas for this. Even with all the surrounding circumstances, you have Mexican Independence Day in a fight card in Las Vegas. Like that's a pretty big pull. Not big enough for me to get in the car and drive, you know, four or five hours and then have to go back. I'm not making a trip for this. But if I'm in Vegas, the experience, the lights, you've got a title fight, a title fight rematch um, for one of the biggest upsets in history and of the year. Um, maybe it's big. I don't. I don't know if it's bigger or not than Strickland. I know Casey's been kind of dragging this up, and it's a, a legitimate point of comparison. So that that main event is is certainly that. Like that's certainly drawing you in. And then the co-main event um, is 
like going to just be spectacularly fun. That one-two punch right there is is really good enough to say, man, if I'm out, I'll take a break from the blackjack tables. I'll stop donating money to the casino for a moment, and I'll, I'll go watch this. And then even though uh, I, your mileage for me is going to vary a ton, I don't. I think this is a two-fight card, and there's one or two other fights I have some interest in, but I'm broadly pretty down on the rest of it. Uh, AK said, you know, they set this up well and they probably did for their ends, but I, like there are like three fights on this entire card that have less than a minus 200 favorite uh, on one side of it. There are a lot of fights being set up for victories, but even in those, and I may not care about the outcomes particularly, that's all being set towards a narrative of here, the Mexican fighters, Mexican descendant fighters doing this thing on Mexican independence day. The vibes are going to be immaculate. And so this is a one star card. Doesn't get the second, but be happy with the one Many cards. Do not get a one famously UFC 293 did not get a star in the Mishulin system. The UFC is doing a great job with this event. They created the new bell for Alexa Grasso. They're making this a little special. They're doing the ceremonial weigh-ins outside today. So it's going to be a different kind of a feel to everything, which I think is very, very cool. But Jed, I want to go back to you because, look, I hate to, to drum up old memories, but you do host a gambling podcast along with the great GC called talking No about. Bets Barred. And in lieu of these bets you are going to make and help the people maybe navigate them or at least let the people know what you're going to do, you had to go back and rewatch this first fight, I would assume, right? Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. It was a competitive fight until it wasn't, until Valentina got the takedown, got the fight to the mat, got the submission, and it was all said and done, and Alexa Grasso was the new champion. So going back and rewatching that fight from six months ago, what did you take away from it? What did you learn from that fight that brings you into your thought process for this rematch on Saturday? Um, I think it's pretty likely that Valentina Shevchenko is past her prime, um, that she is beyond the most, like the best of it. Um, which honestly is pretty reasonable given, given where she's at in her career. Uh, I don't know if it's gone up on the site or not. I, I wrote my weekly gambling column about this and like one of the pieces on it was obviously about this fight. And it's, uh, look in a vacuum, I probably would still pick Valentina Shevchenko to win this fight, but I'm, really not even certain of that anymore i think certainly at her highs at her best she was a better fighter than alexa grasso but i am really not confident that she's that anymore because i want to pull up the exact number because i, I did the math on it i crunched the numbers the data um i was talking earlier this week frankly about israel disney and be like he might have too many miles on him you know he's got 13, 14, 15 years of, of fighting experience and literally like 115 fights or something across boxing, kickboxing, MMA. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko has even more of those. Uh, she has been fighting professionally. Her first MMA fight was in 2003. So quick math, that is over 20 years that she has been fist fighting professionally, which is um, astonishing. She has 133 fights to her name that we can that I could confirm across kickboxing, MMA, boxing. Like there are very likely, almost certainly more of those uh, that were not confirmed as far as kickboxing bouts go. Generous ballpark at 150, 150 fights is a lot of professional fighting. Like it's just simply an enormous amount of combat. 
And eventually the bill comes due. Time takes its toll. And I, I think we probably are starting to see that some with her. I was very surprised um, how much Grasso was able to compete with, with Shevchenko physically in the first fight. That was where I thought that that fight would not be competitive. You know, Grasso is not a bad boxer, but um, she's not like a super finishing threat. Obviously, we saw what happened. Um, but, you know, there there hadn't been a lot of tape to prove that that was really viable for. Her. And instead, how that fight broke down is Grasso was winning the striking for the most part. I think Shevchenko settled in a little bit, did a little bit better as the fight wore on. But Shevchenko went to her wrestling pretty quickly because Grasso was getting the hands on her, being competitive in that range and and forcing Shevchenko to go to the path of least resistance, which for her has always been that. I mean, she did it to uh, Jessica Andrade and several other women. She realizes that she can get a body lock, toss you, and she's actually quite good on the ground. And that's where she went. Coming into this rematch, I mean, officially, or at least on paper, even though she lost parts of it, Grasso won the grappling overall because she finished her. And she was winning the striking exchanges, and there was Shevchenko was being forced to fight a fight that she didn't really want to do. Maybe she had an off night. Um, maybe you know she just super wasn't prepared for the looks Grasso was giving her. That's always possible, but I'm more likely to believe that she's getting a little bit older. She's been at the top for a really long time. It's impossible to stay at the top of this sport for a long time because there's so much tape. People can game plan for you specifically like Grasso did, and Grasso's. This is the time, you know, she, she's about to maybe not put together a run because I think some challengers will beat her, but she's going to cement herself probably, uh, with a win here tonight or sorry, tomorrow night. And then Shevchenko's just in that spot, you know? AK, what's been interesting this week is I was curious about, I mean, the vibes are like Jed said, are immaculate for this entire card, but I was wondering what the vibes check would be for both of these women. Cause Alexa's coming off this huge win and winning the title and Valentina is coming in sort of in a rare place where she's coming in off of a loss, not only that, but a loss where she was finished and lost her title. So I was wondering where the mindsets were going to be heading into this card on Saturday. Alexa Grasso, just cool, calculated, but confident at the same time, even throwing some little jabs at Valentina saying like, hey, you thought you were the better striker, but you shot for takedowns pretty darn quickly. And then Valentina looks like she is ready to fight 400 Alexa Grasso. She looks like on a whole other level. She looks like she has that chip on her shoulder that she had heading to the Jessica Andrade fight. And then even talking to John Anik yesterday, he was saying that normally when they have these fighter meetings and these fighter interviews with the commentators and the fighters, Valentina Shevchenko gives them nothing. But he said this week was totally different. She gave them a lot more. She's motivated. She's fired up. What have you made of the build to this rematch? Because... Usually it's two very respectful people. There's not a lot of back and forth, but this week a little bit different, a little bit more intensity for this one. Yeah, I love it. I love I love that uh, both of them are getting to show more of their personality. Uh, they, they both have, you know, we both we know they both have plenty, but sometimes depending where you are, it's your in your career, uh, you're more or less comfortable showing it off, right? Like Alexa Alexa Grasso, I think. For a while there, she had to be a bit more uh, restrained as she was coming up through flyway because there was some like you know when she was a mega hype straw weight. Remember she was like 21, 22 years old coming up through Invicta coming up at 115. Um, I think, uh, you know, it, it, eventually it's the pressure started to pile up in her a bit. She started missing, you know, missing some weight, losing against some of the better names, of the division. And I think at that point is when you kind of have to take a step back as far as like, um, you know, how you're going to deal with the media and just kind of focus on 
you know, the th- more of the things that you can control. And I think that's what we saw as she's kind of at the 125. But now that she's really establishing herself as the best flyweight in the world, I mean, she's got the gold around her waist. She beat the best before her. She beat Shevchenko. Yeah, she seems relaxed. She has the swagger of a champion. Uh, that, that doesn't happen all the time. You know, some people don't embrace that. Uh, Rose Namajunas is a great example. She never quite, I think she enjoyed being champion, but man, she has spoken openly about the pressure and like not enjoying it as much. And um, You think she enjoyed it? I think she hated it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there was moments where, where she, I think she liked the the respect that came with it. I think there was a lot of, um, you know, I, th- I think there was a lot of prestige that came with it. I think she enjoyed that. But, but again, she also was very open that yes, she hated being the hunted I think she much more enjoyed being the hunter. And Grasso right now seems very comfortable being the hunted, especially uh, since the one that's hunting her is someone she's already beaten. So she, she's relaxed and cool, as you said. And, and that's the way she should come off. She's kind of the young, she's the young, fresh champion. Uh, but not arrogant. You know, not arrogant. That's a tough thing to do. Shoshenko, yeah, being in Terminator mode is just perfect. It's, it's kind of like what we all want to see from her. The jokes, I mean, when she had the butt were that she's this secret agent, she's a, she's a, you know, she's just an assassin. Um, and she was like that in the cage and, and, uh, you know, could be a little reserved when it comes to interviews. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we're getting to see the side of her. That's clearly, you know, a little irked, a little irked that maybe, uh, some jamokes like us in the media are saying her best days would be behind her. And, um, you know, that she was so that she was clearly beaten in the first fight. She certainly doesn't seem to feel that way, you know, other than the finish, she's like, well, if it had gone to, you know, if it gone, she feels if it had gone to like a, a fifth round that she would have been up three rounds to one, which I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's that's how she was looking at it in her mind. If I um, had wheels, I'd be a wagon. That's exactly someone should tell her that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love the vibe check is great both ways. I don't see anything in either. It's not like last week where we were a little I think we, we all started getting a little concerned about Izzy. Uh, he just. Didn't seem to be his usual self. He seemed a little bit off. He seemed a bit exhausted, to be honest. And and maybe that played out on uh, on fight night. But I don't get that sense with either of these women. I think I think Alexa is super prepared to defend her title. I think Valentina. I don't know if we can see the best of her for the reasons Jed said. She just got a lot of mileage. But I think mentally she's in the right place. I don't think it should she lose on Saturday. I don't think any of us are going to say, oh, well, Valentina wasn't prepared and Valentina wasn't. I think she is prepared. Uh, I just think that she is now dealing with uh, someone who is the best flyweight in the world. But, you know, we'll get we'll get to our exact predictions uh, soon enough. Yeah, she went back to Thailand and just immersed herself in, in danger pretty much for three months straight, getting ready for this fight. Just a lot of time over there with the killers in the room. It's not a bad place to go preparing for this fight. AK, I wanted to go back to you because we ta- I talked about this on BTL. I asked John Anik this question. This is a question that was posed on Heck of a Morning. And I thought kind of at first, like this was going to be more like one-sided the other way. But I continuously go back to this question because Alexa Grasso is the champion. Valentina was the long-reigning champion already just got finished in in March. Who needs this one more? Because you can make a case for both women. Valentina obviously wants to exercise the demons and get back on track and prove that, you know, this was not going to say a fluke, but you know how some reads can be in the fallout of a rematch. We saw it with Juliana Pena. We saw it in other circumstances as well. Or is it Alexa Grasso? Because we're going to prove this isn't a fluke. I want to prove I'm the best flyweight in the world. And if she beats Valentina Shevchenko not once but twice, like this is massive for her. Who needs this one more? Grasso needs it more. Um, I don't know what Valentina's plans are after, but if I was her, win or lose, I'm going up to 135. And in, and in either of those scenarios, um, 
it's uh, sorry. And in the scenario, of course, where uh, Valentino wins and then just, uh, you know, vacates the belt and goes to 135, that would really suck for Grasso because essentially it would give Valentina the, you know, the, the more recent win, uh, you know, la- la- last shot wins, as they say. And uh, Alexa wouldn't get her wouldn't get her rematch. Even if Valentina stayed at 125, I don't know if they're giving Grasso the immediate rematch. I'd be all for it. I'd love to see a trilogy. I just don't know if that's where they would go right away. So, so if if if, if uh, Grasso loses, she's not getting a title fight next. If Valentina loses, I think she'd go up to 135 right away and challenge whoever has the belt, or if there's that title fight still isn't made, challenge for the vacant title. So Valentina has options. And, and a lot of it does depend on whether she even wants to go up to 135. It's possible that that's not in the cards for her. She might want to spend the rest of her career fighting at 125. It is maybe her ideal weight class. Um, but I, I do, and I do think, I don't know, even if Alexa Grasso loses, I don't think people will call the first fight a fluke. You're going to have a small minority who do that, but you're going to have a small minority who do that every time a, a long-time champion loses and they don't give credit to the to the challenger. So I, I don't think it's, it's that. I don't think it's going to be called a fluke. But kind of like what happened with Pena, uh, it will, in her in people's minds, like firmly cement her behind uh, Shevchenko uh, unless they got a third fight, which, like I said, I don't think is going to happen. Um, and that sucks. And that sucks. Like That's not the way it should work. But Shevchenko will have had the stronger resume, depending on what Grasso does going forward. So I think a lot of the person on Grasso, I don't know if Shevchenko, I, I'm sure she's determined to win the belt back. I'm sure she doesn't want to leave 125 on a loss if she even decides to leave. Um, but I don't think there's just much pressure on her. Her, her. her reputation is what it is. It's it's cemented. And I don't think anyone is would be disappointed if she lost to a considerably younger, less shop-worn challenger uh, a second time. It could just be this fighter has her number. We've seen that We've seen that in history, too. We've seen greats uh, lose to guys, uh, younger fighters who just happen to have their number. And uh, ideally, it doesn't hurt their, their stock in the long run. What's the better result for business, Jed Bashu? Valentina getting it back, maybe a trilogy fight, letting Aaron Blanchfield, Manon Fioro settle who the number one contender is once and for all, or is it the new guard officially taking over? Valentina goes on and does other things, maybe moving to 135. Maybe she just fights Rose Nami Yunus and just a big name star versus star kind of a fight, big name versus big name kind of a fight, and opens things up in different ways. What do you think is the better result here? For business, it's Valentina winning. Um, I would also personally like to see it because uh, I to sort of piggyback off what AK was saying, um, I think if Grasso wins, this won't be considered a fluke because people uh, in this space have a particularly difficult time wrapping their heads around like what flukes are. And if it had been like a knockout, then they would be like, okay. But if it quote unquote feels more skillful that she took the back and choked her out. So it won't be looked on like as a fluke, but it will be looked on as, Hey, that's, um, you know, that's not a thing that would happen all the time. And that would be great for me because it, it would just drive home a point I've been trying to make for years, which is being a champion is the hardest thing to do in the sport. Defending your belt over and over is the most difficult thing the sport has to offer because there's a lot of tape on you and people prepare everything. And look, Alexa Grasso was losing this fight, but she studied the tape and saw that Valentina spins. And when she does that, you could take her back and choke her. And it would just be like the most condensed selling point of that. Whereas if Grasso wins, uh, the narrative shifts pretty quickly to, yeah, Shevchenko's past it. I mean, the fight before this, she had to really 
get a little bit lucky and dig real deep to pull a win off over Tyler Santos. And then she loses her belt and loses again. Like this is, that's just the inflection point of her career. She hit her peak and now she's on the downslope and that just becomes a narrative. Um, whereas if she does at least reclaim the belt, uh, I, I think we get a little more play there. Uh, certainly her reclaiming the belt is better for business though, because if I'm in Valentina Shevchenko's corner, what's up Chevy truck? Let's talk. Um, if you win this fight, you should not fight Aaron Blanchfield. Maybe you win, maybe you lose. I tend to think you lose. You shouldn't fight her. Again, you could probably beat Manon Firo too, but what are those doing for you? Your legacy's set in stone. You already, the loss to Grosso already sort of prohibits you from getting into that Anderson Silva, Demetrius Johnson rarefied air of double digit title defenses. So let that dream die. Go get the second belt because I feel like you should be able to beat Juliana Pena since you've already done it or Raquel Pennington because no disrespect to Raquel Pennington. It just feels like a fight that you can win. If you win this belt, go up, make your play for a second belt and you can retire in there and you can leave 125 to this new crop of contenders. Maybe Grosso gets to fight a title, you know, fight uh, the winner of Blanchfield Fioro for the title. You get to do that. And that, that seems like the best business opportunity because there's so many fights coming out of this. Whereas the other way it's Grosso versus probably Blanchfield, but maybe Fioro at this point, um, which is okay. And then, yeah, I think they probably would do Rose versus Valentina, which is a big fight, but it's not as big as Valentina fighting for a second belt against whoever. So best for business, Valentina getting the dub. All right. I mean, you guys both make interesting points in different ways. So real quick, and then we'll make our picks. True or false, AK, this is the last Valentina Shevchenko fight at 125 pounds. I can't go a hard true on that. I, I wish, I wish, because I just don't feel like there's anything for win or lose or anything left for her to do at 125. And again, she could easily is so disrespectful to some of the fighters at 135. But women's 135 is a pretty disrespectful division, if we're being honest. All right. And it's not their fault. I'm not the fighter's fault. It's that it's a promotion's fault for uh you know, not building it up more. And I can't even blame the promotion that much. It's it's the world's fault for <laughs> if you're an athletic woman who who is in the 135 and up range, you're probably going to go play another sport. Let's be honest with ourselves. Um, so, yes, I, I really, before it's all said, then, would like to see uh, Valentina return to 135. I know it's not her ideal weight class. I know she was only competing there because 125 didn't exist for the longest time. But if you're her team, you got to let her know, like, there's opportunities to be had there. Maybe she can't beat Juliana Pena again. I think she would. Maybe she can't beat Raquel Pennington Jed. Maybe she can't. I think she would. But it's certainly much more interesting than seeing her kind of circle the wagons again at 125 with, especially with how young and good this division is getting. Um, it's just such a hard, if she loses, it's such a harder climb to get back up there. And if she wins... It just makes her the target of, again, some really potentially great uh, flyways. Now, she wants to test herself in that way. That's fantastic. Um, but I would like to see her go to 135. But I won't I won't go as far as to say true. I can't guarantee it. I, I think there's there's that element of, well, stay at 125. Because um, it's, it's just it's the way it's the, her best ideal weight class. It's where she's comfortable fighting. And uh, she does one or two more fights before, I don't know, either retiring, which would be fine, or, uh, again, maybe making a delayed move up, uh, delayed return to 135. But I don't think she's done. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What do you think, Jed? Final fight at 125? Probably not. Um, I would like it to be um but i don't she doesn't seem wired that way i mean this whole week i i have a lot of concerns about her approach to this fight week and what that says about her mental state but armchair psychology is um uh suspect at best my ability why why though because the coming in the like i'm really angry that i was winning that fight and it's nonsense that you all think this and i'm i'm coming in here to to retake my throne that feels a touch performative um and that's it just feels like again i could be dead ass wrong i've been wrong many times in this but that just feels like she is grasping at internal straws for something to get her there because she's not there you know um but it really hasn't largely been how she's approached stuff like this um and so i don't don't know uh un unclear how i feel about it um i just think it's probably not great but yeah. Also, all of that feels like she's going to stay at 125, win or lose. If she loses, I mean, I guess she could go up to 135, but it, she would be losing because someone beat her, not because she can't make the weight or her better weight class is up. So it doesn't totally make sense to me. Um, and I think that she probably still has a bit of that. No, I'm actually the best. I, I have lost twice and that's on, like, I don't, I don't know why that happened, but I need to prove to everyone I can win. And by that same token, if she wins, even though I think it would be a bad idea, um, I feel like she has that intensity to her to be like, there are other women and people are starting to think I'm not it because I showed weakness because I lost. 
People are out there saying Aaron Blanchfield is the best flyweight in the world. Um, even my long defender, the original driver of the bullet train, Jed Mashu, is saying Aaron Blanchfield will beat me. I need to beat this woman to show it. And so I think we are probably going to have at least a few more fights with her here, even though I wish this would be her final one, win or lose. All right, let's go to the picks here. Uh, lines are much different than the first time around. AK, balancing to Shevchenko, the favorite, minus 166 as we speak right now. The comeback on Alexa Grasso, the champ, plus 140. Who leaves T-Mobile Arena with that beautiful belt wrapped around their waist? You know, Mike, I love that plus on Alexa Grasso. But what I love, even sorry, and I got to look this up. I love even more plus on Alexa Grasso by decision. Plus 350. Uh, plus 350. That ain't bad. And that was honestly pretty much in line with uh, how I was looking at this fight probably when it was first announced. I, I I really, there was a part of me that was, you know, thinking about the first fight and how well Valentina still performed. Yes, she lost, but it was a, it was a better performance than the Tyler Santos fight, right? Where we're very critical of her last two outings and rightfully so. The Tyler Santos fight, some people thought it was a robbery. I don't agree. I think... I'm fine with the Valentina score, but that said, she did not look good. You you cannot make an argument that Valentina looked good in the Talos Santos fight. You can say she won. You can certainly say she won on the scorecards, but she did not look good. And she had much better moments in the Grasso fight, but then she straight up lost that one. Um, so there, there's there's a lot of reason for concern there. Uh, so at first, I, I was telling myself like maybe maybe she bounces back, newly motivated, best version we've ever seen, best version we can possibly get at this stage of her career. But I also think we're going to get the best version of Alexa Grasso that we can get so far. And I still think there's even more room to grow there for Grasso. I think she's trending up and up and up and up. I think what she showed in that uh, first fight with Valentina is just a glimpse of how good she is. I think she, at this point in their career, she is the better striker. Not talking about technicality, but just talking about the benefits of youth, being able to pull that trigger, uh, athleticism edge, stuff like that. I think that makes the difference in this striking matchup. We saw in the first fight. I don't see how it would be different this time around. Takedown defense is certainly uh, a question. I I can absolutely envision uh, Shevchenko going back, focusing even more on the wrestling of this fight and grinding out a decision that way. But I'm I'm confident that Grasso will work her way out of those situations should it come up. So I'm going Grasso, and I'm going Grasso by decision. Don't bet on MMA, but if you're like me and occasionally you throw on small wagers, uh, that Grasso by decision is not looking bad. So that's my call, Mike. Jed, you shook the universe when you revealed on No Bets Bar that you were placing a bet on Alexa Grasso instead of Valentin Shevchenko after what happened in the first fight. But I understand your reasoning behind this because this is a value play more than anything else because you feel that at best or at worst, this is a 50-50 fight. And if it's a 50-50 fight, you might as well take the value where you can get it. And there's some pretty good value on Alexa Grasso here. But let's just say the odds were completely even. If it was a absolute coin flip, it was 50-50 in the betting window, everything's all the same. Are you still leaning Alexa Grasso or are you leaning Valentina Shevchenko? Official pick. You're muted. Sorry. I uh, I punched in a tapology, so it's in. It's official. Um, look, I every part of my brain says that Alexa Grasso is going to win this fight. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go down with the ship, you know. Um I've already gone down financially. Why not go down, you know? spiritually emotionally i have been i would say the biggest valentina shevchenko supporter um on this and many websites basically since day one i've been riding with with the chevy truck and 
if this is the end, I mean, look, I staunchly, despite logic and reason and any level of sanity, kept picking BJ to win fights at the end of his career. But I got Dennis Seaver. If the old BJ shows up, Dennis Seaver isn't very good. He could beat him. Nope. Uh, I'm going to keep riding with with Shevchenko until the wheels fall off. So uh, I have a bet on Alexa Grasso. I have a smaller bet on Alexa Grasso by decision, but straight up picks, give me Valentina Shevchenko by decision. Man, I still don't know. Like I honestly, even sitting here right now, I have no idea. Like I'm flip-flop. I flip-flopped every day. I flip-flopped like four times today because I just don't know what's going to happen here. How dumb will you feel on Sunday, like if if either outcome happens, which one will you feel dumber about being like, yeah, obviously? Well, I felt really dumb being so confident in Valentina the first time, and I felt really dumb being confident in Aljamain Sterling, and I felt incredibly dumb not believing in Sean Strickland at all. And all three of those individuals proved me wrong. And I feel weird if I doubt Valentina Shevchenko in any way, shape, or form. Having said that, I do this. I do feel like this fight's going to go long. And despite Valentina have having a lot more experience with five round fights, I kind of feel like Alexa's game is built better at this at the stages of both of their careers for five rounds. And just hearing what Alexa's talking about, that even if she's down two one or three one heading into five like i still feel like she she's not going to get rattled by the situation i still feel like she, there's confidence there that she can go and get valentina out of there so it's a vibes pick i'm going alexa grasso to get it done and just to be a little more exciting with all of this i'm gonna say a comeback fifth round submission win she subs her again this time in round five to, to keep the belt. But I'm leaning Alexa Grasso to get a super late finish here. But tomorrow I could, like on the People's Pre-Fight Show, I could literally say Valentina Shevchenko. That's, I'm teetering on this. But I think if Alexa wins, I do think she's going to finish her. Mike, Again. speaking of the people, ran a poll. Just who wins the rematch? It is close. It is narrow. Grasso uh, won the poll. Uh, 53%. So not it is narrow, man. I mean, people are seeing this as what it is. This is a proper rematch. This is a proper I rematch. To head I to think. the betting windows. 53%. I think people are reading it the right way. I think even the odds make sense. I, as much as, um, as Jed and I are very happy with the value that you can get on a Grasso bet, I think it speaks to how highly people thought of Valentina before their second fight, uh, you know, her dominance during her run. But um, man, uh, we got we got a lot of smart viewers. You know that I think our viewers are the smartest people in the uh, in the industry, and they're saying Grasso fifty three percent. Look, I'm just saying, y'all. Uh, the odds currently have Grasso one forty. It's like forty two percent to win. So some of y'all need to go go pull up <laughs> DraftKings.com, use the code MMA <laughs> yep. Hour, uh, and let's get that line a little tighter. Because if I can get plus money action on Valentina <laughs> too. And I can have it stop and end go, and that'll be great. <laughs> and you don't have to be cute like us and go decision, guys. I mean, plus one forty, like straight up Grasso. If you think she can get a knockout, sub again. That's not bad either. You know, you, got, you don't got to be cute like us. NEW pays out plus one forty for Grasso, so you know, it's not bad. DraftKings.com code MMAR. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of value there, and there are a lot of people out there who feel that there's some good betting betting value on 
one Kevin Holland as he gets ready to take on good old Jackie three names, Jack Della Maddalena. Very interesting fight at 170. JDM, AK, had a tough time getting into the octagon. He had fights scheduled, opponents fall out, had an opponent fall out for just pretty tough reasons. The day before International Fight Week, comes back, takes on a newcomer and gets tested. A lot of people, some people out there still feel like Jack Della Maddalena lost that fight. I am not one of those people. But it certainly brings up a lot of questions heading into this fight with Kevin Holland. So biggest question you have about this fight, whether it's on the JDM side or on the Kevin Holland side, and do not ask this man if he wants to fight for a world title because clearly he doesn't care about that. Let me add, he also had trouble making a little bit of trouble making weight today, Mike. Uh, at the weigh-ins, he needed the box of what proved to be redemption. But I also think he got the Las Vegas Commission uh, uh, extra probably 0.2, 0.3 pounds off. It was a very clear, Casey and I were watching, it was a very clear, okay, they brought up the box, he's looking at it, the scale's still moving, eh, 171, close enough. And hey, if, that's, if everyone's getting that benefit, then I guess it doesn't matter, right? That's fair. But uh, yes, he did have some trouble making weight. Not not a small welterweight, not like a huge welterweight, but healthy, healthy size guy. Um, the biggest question for me is, uh, I guess it's not related to this fight directly. I, I'm, I couldn't get a great gauge, and I haven't been able to get a great gauge this week, of how much did that Hafez fight um, dent uh, Della Madalena's reputation in the eyes of the fans, eyes of critics, as far as like his his uh, potential as a future contender. Because for me, it's like I I didn't okay I didn't love his performance in the fight either. But a few things. One, I think uh, Hafez is better than people are giving him credit for. I think because he was a late notice guy, maybe they thought you know JDM should just ran right through him. But I've said before, fighters have said before, and I believe it that there is something about. Uh, being the you know being the guy on the other end of the short notice call right it is someone he probably doesn't know a lot about probably wasn't super prepared for I, I mean he got taken down in the first two seconds I, I get the feeling maybe he didn't know a lot about Hafez so I'll give Hafez a little more credit for that um, and then uh, the other thing to say is to say is how much do you credit someone for gutting out a win in those situations because I actually like to see that I think sometimes when a guy is put in a a position where it's like, oh, wow, he should have dominated this fight, but he didn't, but then still got out with the win. That to me is like mostly a positive. Uh, I felt this way kind of about Hamzat and Gilbert Burns, very different situation, very different fighters, very different stakes. But I remember some people saying that is, wow, he got exposed because he couldn't finish Gilbert. Well, for me, it was like Gilbert's tough as hell. And the fact that he probably didn't fight his smartest and went, you know, hammer and nails with Gilbert, I actually thought that was really good. Like made me think more highly of Hamzat. So that that's my question. I I don't know where people are with JDM. Uh, I'm undecided. I'm undecided. So those questions that I just brought up, I'm still asking myself. I'm still trying to figure out. I I don't know. Is he a clear cut like you know, give me a top five guy by you know uh, the end of 2024 or heading into 2024, or um, did we see kind of a bet? Did we get a better glimpse of his ceiling in that fight? So uh, that that's what I want to know. And um, uh, Saturday, I'm, uh, the Kevin Holland matchup is perfect. And I think it'll help to answer a lot of these questions, or at least at least push us in the right direction. Jed, you've had thoughts about JDM's performance, and it's not the fight itself that you question because you know all these opponent switches, multiple weight cuts, like all that could play in. And sometimes you just don't have your fastball, and you go in and get a win. But you were more concerned with some of the decision making in the fight, the fight IQ that you saw in JDM's most recent win. If he goes and shores that up and just runs over Kevin Holland tomorrow or wins at least 
a pretty clear cut decision or finishes Kevin Holland, where do you place him in terms of the welterweight up and comers? Because I know you're very high on Ian Machado Gary after UFC 292. I know you were very high on JDM before this fight. Does JDM kind of get back in the good graces of where you see his ceiling if he goes out and performs like he did, like if he fights Kevin Holland, like he fought Randy Brown and just gets him out of there? Will you feel, will you go back? Will you course correct? Uh, I don't know if I'll course correct. I mean, it, it will certainly be a, a, a big step for him because yeah, um, I get what AK is saying. And in general, like you do like to see that about fighters who can overcome adversity and battle through it. Um, my biggest issue with that is he created like all the adversity to overcome. And so I don't know if I should give him credit for dogging it out and winning a tough fight when he's the one who made the fight tough. Like he just wasn't dumb. It would have been fine, but he kept, jumping guillotines and that's not even me saying it his corner was telling him during the fight dude stop doing this it's bad and he just kept doing it and like yes opponent switches and that it not the same dudes but that is very concerning when originally the opponent he was preparing for and had the most camp time for was sean brady so like this isn't like he went totally from Hey, here's a dude who's not going to take me down to, Hey, here's a dude who's going to take me down. Like there's, there was some prep time going and he just felt committed to an offensive strategy that was really, really bad. Um, and that like that fight alone made me entirely reevaluate him because yes, I mean, uh, Jackie three names has been a sensation since joining on, uh, the UFC and he's got good wins. Like the, the Amiv, the Randy Brown, Danny Roberts, like those are solid wins. But his, you know, this was a bad win, right? Like, and I think Basil Hoffes is better than people thought and and credit to him for making that fight. But that is, Fight IQ is one of the most like daunting things in the world because honestly, sometimes you just can't, you can't fix it. Like a lot of the time you can't. Look, look at Josh Allen. Everyone for the last three years has been like, Josh Allen is awesome. And he is. But Josh Allen's whole thing has always been, at his core, he is a reckless, reckless man. And sometimes that leads to three picks and losing to the New York Jets who don't have Aaron Rodgers. Jack Delamantelena appears to be a reckless, reckless man who's going to dive on guillotines when he is hurting his opponent on the feet. I don't know how to square that, but... He fights Kevin Holland, and Kevin Holland, uh, nobody really runs over Kevin Holland. Like, Kevin Holland is a very tough out for just about anybody. The only time Kevin Holland has been stopped in his career by knockout, and, you know, that's, I think, what everyone expects, is Stephen Thompson in the fourth round with a corner stoppage that he was still ready to keep fighting in. So, look, if Jack Della comes in and puts the hands on him, um, that's going to go a long way to making people forget, but it is totally scared me off him and honestly makes me really concerned about this fight because Kevin Holland's really tough and Kevin Holland can mix things up. And I don't, if Kevin Holland's in there and jawing at him and doing the talking thing, Jack Dell was willing to jump guillotines on a dude. He was clubbing on the feet. What's he going to do to a dude who is like actively provoking him? Is he going to fight really stupid? Like, I don't have any idea. So I think this is great matchmaking. I'm excited what we're going to learn, but, um, I will reserve my judgments until after because I think this fight will tell us a lot about who Jack Della is and where he's going. May I may I pose a question, Jed, regarding the repeated use sure. of guillotines? 
Sure. What if, what if it had worked? Look, think about um, that. Think about that. S- simmer on that for a second. <laughs> look, S- Dustin Poirier that, yeah. uh, was mm-hmm. probably the closest anyone ever came to beating Habib, and he wasn't <laughs> all that close um, as far as <laughs> I was concerned watching it. And that's the thing, like, uh, I agree. If it had worked, it would be great, but that's kind yeah. of um, the thing with desperation gambles is uh, the proof is in the pudding. And so if it works, it is great. But when it fails, it's bad. So, and you know that going in and he, I assume did, I assume that's not the first time he's ever jumped a ghillie. Um, But only Dustin Poirier can get away with jumping ghillies and I won't totally make fun of them for it because he's branded it. Um, If Jack Della brands jumping the ghillie recklessly, then maybe we can talk. But um, no. Is a short answer. <laughs> fair, fair, also, fair. does he have? He doesn't have a successful guillotine choke in his resume, which also not, really begs the question of why. Well, so, well, know, that's not my yet. Second question too. But what if he did? <laughs> if he did, um, if he look. Did? <laughs> if he did, if that had locked in, that would have been great fight IQ. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't mm-hmm. because true. true. <laughs> If I had wheels, yeah. I'd be a wagon. Yeah. I mean, if you want to use reality as a gauge for your evaluations, <laughs> then I mean, by all means, go ahead. But, you know. I'm just saying, if Jack Della comes out here and hurts Kevin Holland on the feet, and then Kevin Holland shoots a half-hearted takedown, and Jackie Three Names jumps to Gilly, I'm out forever. Like, I'm out forever <laughs> on him as a prospect. What? Hold on. Can we check quickly? What is JDM by submission? Plus 1,600. Uh, Plus yeah, 1,600. He has like the one that came against Randy Brown and also cost me money because GDM he didn't submit money. any. Yeah, man, He I didn't know. submit anybody. It was like Vulcan in pulling that out of his uh, – on on No Bets Bar this week, we were going back and was like, actually, um, Carlos Olberg by TKO, which I bet, and then random RNC comes out of nowhere. The week before that, Volkan Ozdemir by KO, TKO pulls out the random RNC. We can go three weeks in a row of guy who has one career submission ruining betting slips for no mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm just saying. I'm just, Honestly, I, this, you probably should bet Jack Della by submission. He's I probably going like, to jump a ghillie. He's probably going to get it. And I'm going to have people in my mentions being like, oh, I thought his fight IQ was bad. Like, it is. It's dumb. You shouldn't do it. I am now well, rooting for this harder than anything I've rooted for all year. You should bet on it. I may so is that your pick, $2, AK? $2, your $2, a $2 bet gets you $34 back. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, I am. No, I, I should. I'm, I'm, I'm picking Holland to win. I'm picking Holland to win. Uh, not because I think JDM is bad, not because I think he was exposed in the Huffest fight. I, I think Holland's good. I think Holland is it's it's hard to it, we didn't even talk about the Kiesa fight enough, like talking about gauging someone off their last performance. Kiesa just did not look good. Okay, we, we can all agree. I remember we were in our Slack going like, man, is is he just like is he injured or is it has it just his has it has has his time come as far as like him his mileage the amount of mileage on him? He did not look great. You know, just Kiesa did not look good in that fight. And Holland to his credit. What did we have to do? Won the fight. Um, and I, I think Holland is even better than that performance show. Cause again, I don't think we saw a great version of Kesa. So he's a bit of a wild card at 170. Talking about guys being contenders, I don't know how I feel about Kevin Holland, but again, after like 
talking about all these people getting title fights like Sean Strickland, I really see a world where Kevin Holland somehow fights his way to a, to a welterweight title shot. And if I believe that, then I can believe that he's going to beat uh, JDM on Saturday. And I'll go as far as to say Holland by knockouts. Ooh, all right. I don't know about round. I don't know what round. I just got a knockout, a Holland by knockout feeling. Jed, I know you went to the AI people. You went to sure the did. you went to the technology for this, and ChatGBT says Jack Della Madalena gets it done. Fifty uh, fifty proposition. Are you going with with the uh, with technology here? Are you going with Kevin Holland? I mean, you've got to trust the robots. I mean, uh, Mike, the robots are eleven and five this year. I just had to confirm that. Um, I mean, they're just they know. They know things that we never can know. Um, they they nicknamed him uh, the Hammer out of nowhere. Um, they knew that Kevin Holland's nickname was Trailblazer, um, but they were just like Jack the Hammer Della Maddalena. Uh, and who am I to argue with Skynet? Um, couldn't be me. So I'm I'm going Jack Della. Uh, I'm going Jack Della by decision. I. I thought um, coming into this fight, I'd pick Kevin Holland. I think he does present some very interesting challenges for Jack Della, but the robots, Mike, it's, it's just the robots. So um, by decision, because Kevin Holland is tougher than a $2 steak. Um, so I don't, I don't think Jack Della is going to get him out of there. But when he jumps a gilly in round three, uh, you guys can at me and, and have your day in the sun. I'm going JDM by decision as well, but I ain't confident at all. I don't, I'm not confident in either of the, the picks that I've made here, but... So we're clear. JDM by decision, plus 300. Ooh, it's not a bad bet on, right there. On DraftKings.com. Use code promo code the MMAR. There you go. Uh, most intriguing storyline outside of the top two fights, AK. Mike, where do I begin? Where do I begin? I love so many of the weirdness in this card. I'm going to cheat here, and I'll be quick about it and throw out some of the weirdness. Mike, we got two mutant matchups we got two matchups that exist on this card because everybody everybody else that was originally booked to fight There's two of them fell out we have two of them one i'll go i know the we have one, one. yes the easiest one to explain first a middleweight bout uh kapalov and framed kapalov uh stepped in for chris curtis Fram stepped in for anthony hernandez so this is curtis versus hernandez and now it has morphed into kapalov versus Fram. easy to understand the other one is so much better the knutson man one is so bizarre this was Elise Reed versus Cynthia Calvillo once upon a time. That's it, this, That was a fight that was booked. The, uh, Calvillo Theseus withdrew. We don't know ship. why. Is this the same fight? <laughs> Thank you. This is, yes, this is the, the ship of Theseus of fights. Uh, is this still Elise Reed versus Cynthia Calvillo? Philosophers will be debating this for centuries. I don't I know. Think, I think we should put it on <laughs> both of their resumes. <laughs> Uh, so Calvillo withdrew. She was replaced by uh, Jasmine Lucindo. Then Reed got moved to the belt with Loopy, which is now on this card, because Loopy was supposed to fight Sam Hughes. Sam Hughes withdrew. And then to take Reed's place in the matchup uh, against Lucindo, uh, what they called in Knudsen. Not, not Sam, yep. And, but then uh, Lucindo withdrew and was replaced by Marnik, blind, blinded by the lights man. So... That's just awesome. I love that so much. Uh, I love mutant matchups. We have two of them. I, I think Thesis' ships matchups are even better. Uh, Jed, I may have changed to that. I don't know why I never thought of that before. And then, I mean, this uh, is as Thesis' ship as it gets. 
the crazy the for me the i don't know i want to know who's betting on this fight because i don't know where to go with this uh uh daniel lacerda possibly going 0 for 5 and maybe becoming the first fighter in ufc history to lose all five of his ufc fights by knockout or submission he was the patron saint of flyweight unders last year uh he was just guaranteed to not make it past the midway point of the second round He's he's got a decent matchup in in, in Kyrez. Like if if I didn't know that he had lost four straight fights, I'd kind of like Lacerda's chances here. But he's understandably a pretty big underdog based on UFC results. But uh, yes, a, a small handful. You can count on one hand. I think literally five fighters have ever gone zero uh, and five in the UFC throughout their career. And and Daniel Lacerda can join that list. So thrilling stuff. Don't forget, we were supposed so, to get. D-Rod versus Santiago Ponzinibbio on this card. Yep. We're supposed to get Shafkar Rachmanov versus Kelvin Gaslam on this card, yeah. too. AK, this I'm diving into much this. Different. Go ahead, Jed. I'm diving into this, AK, and if I have this right, and I believe that I do, this could be a record-breaking event because Elise Reed obviously, is, is now um, fighting Lupita Godinez. If she loses to Lupi Godinez, that's tough. However... If Josephine Nutson loses to Marnik Man, I think that means Elise Reed goes 0 and 2 on the night because I believe Man is the Theseus uh, ship uh-huh. replacement part yes. for Elise Reed, and I think it's uh, I think it's Nutson who is the replacement piece for Cynthia Calvillo. So Calvillo might pick up a loss not competing this weekend, and Elise Reed might be the first woman in UFC history to lose twice in one night. Sure, there there are still. This pieces of the, the spirit of Elise is still in the the the, the opening fight. Is yeah, what you're the original people. matchup. Yeah. This is yes, yes, yes. It's still right. Elise Reed, Cynthia Calvillo. That's what's at uh-huh. stake in the nuts and man fight. <laughs> wow, yeah. what a di- what a different way to look at things. Uh, uh, let's bring look, in- that makes it way more interesting. Uh, Have you watched yes. tape of Marnik Man? She's awful. <laughs> God. Great nickname. Uh, the Sawed Off Savage is a fantastic nickname, but. Also, I mean, like it might be low hanging fruit, but if your name is Marnik Man, it's already alliterative, and Marnik is like, you should just be Manic Marnik Man. Like it's just a much better fight nickname, <laughs> even though I like the Sawed Off Savage. Like I think that's a good nickname. Oh, and John Anik said it was Knutson. The K is not Knutson. 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 That she could be the case. Um, Swedish. I believe the K is not silent. Yes, she, she is. Uh, I'm from the south, so yeah. we're just gonna botch things she's, sometimes. She's you gotta nuts. live yes. with it. Yeah. And if Annex says Knutson, Knutson it shall be. Knutson. Yes. Uh, Casey, we'll take a few questions. We won't go crazy because we do have the People's Pre-Fight Show tomorrow, and that's all we're gonna do is answer I have, questions. I have a question for Mr. Ooh. Jed. Shoot. Explain your – so you said Shevchenko off a loss should go to 35, correct? Yeah. I mean, I just don't know why you hang around 25. That's less a like – it's just like what are you going to do at 25? You're not going to get back – I mean, you can maybe fight for a title again. It's just who cares at that point. At least moving up to 135, you get a win or two. Maybe you can pursue a second belt and add that to the mantle. So, yeah. yeah. I'm more I'm more talking about the – the I was just surprised you su- you suggested that only because I know it's not the same exact thing, but the whole Volkanovski thing, him trying to do two weight classes. What's the difference here with Shevchenko? Because clearly you're saying if he loses, or well, well, that's why I guess I was asking Shevchenko. You think when on on a loss only she should go to thirty five? Is that what you're saying? 
No, I think either way she should go to 35 because so I believe on that a win. she has, I know If she, she beats Grasso, you think she should go up? Yeah, because I think she's accomplished all that can be accomplished. If she if she had not lost, I would say stay because the goal for me would always be chase after Anderson Silva and Demetrius Johnson. 11 title defenses is I, a number that I genuinely do not believe anyone gives enough respect to. It is unbelievable that those happened. Like that is – I, it is astonishing. And so if that's in play, you should be chasing that the whole time. Like that should be your full focus because I just think that age is better and is more meaningful. Um, Shevchenko's out of that conversation now. The loss to Grasso means that that she's cooked in there so she can bounce. Volkanovsky, in my opinion, should okay. just be focused on chasing that down. That like chasing down Jose Aldo, chasing down that number because like winning a second belt, it, it has cachet – but there are two people who have double-digit title defenses in UFC history. There are eight two-division champions. One of those things is more difficult than impossible to do. And I, I frankly respect it more and think more people should. So if Volk loses, then as soon as Volk loses, if he does at featherweight, bounce. Immediately bounce and go pursue the second one. But for me, I, I have always thought that just try and rack up as many as you can because that is a substantially more meaningful metric by which your career should be viewed. Okay, I was just kind of curious. I, I wanted to yeah. get a little more in depth. On yeah, that, no, but. totally fair question. And yeah, cool. again, if Shevchenko hadn't lost to Grasso, don't like maybe just because the Nunes fight would have been big. But with Nunes retiring, I don't own this division forever. Cool. Oh, the, actually, one more, one more. The question fighter there. who puts up twelve title defenses, mm -hmm. like that's just. I can't even fathom that as an as an event. That is so astronomical. Be that one. Like that's who you should try to be. Is a motivated a motivated Valentin Shevchenko? Is that going to be a thing soon? Do you do, do you think there was just a lack of motivation? Like because we, we get this we we say that the John Jones a lot. That, no, that's why he almost lost Dominic Reyes. That's why he almost lost Tiago Santos. He wasn't motivated. Do you think that? applies to Shevchenko at all? I, I don't think people are going to say that about Valentina because I think with John... Because, because it, now this week, because this week everyone's saying, oh, Valentina's got to get a different intensity now, you know? Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just kind yeah, of putting it out there. It's just... A different intensity, but I don't think that they were suggesting that she was not motivated before. I mean, you're going to ask that about any long-standing champion, but with John, it manifested itself in tangible ways. Remember, he was getting in trouble with the law. We said it was the PED stuff. Like, there was, there was so many cracks in the John Jones well, armor so that we... We had he to chalk specifically it up to like spoke it into the world. Sure, sure. I don't think Valentina would ever admit something like that, even if she that was the case heading into the Grasso fight or the Tyler Santos fight or uh, any of her previous fights. So I, I don't think it's as strong a narrative as it was with some with someone like John Jones. Uh, John was a little more transparent, both um, intentionally and not intentionally. Right. Look, if if Shevchenko comes out, wins the fight, and says afterwards, I was. Um, doing hookers and blow in Vegas and that's why I lost <laughs> Alexa Grasso. She is our then yes, I, fighter ever. I I would then believe uh that the narrative <laughs> of motivation may come in question, but uh no, I, I'm with AK on this one. Don't clip that. Particularly because part of her shtick has always been like, I respect all of my opponents. They're all the hardest people I've ever fought. Blah blah blah. Yeah, the the only time I can remember Valentina like with this, I don't know if anger is the right word, but definitely a chip on her shoulder was before the Jessica Andrade fight. 
because a lot of people are like, oh, we're Jennifer Maya one around. Maybe she's already lost the fastball. Oh, Jessica Andrade is a killer. She's Dude, knocking she, out everybody. Like she could be the one. Killed her. And she killed Jessica Andrade. That was that was probably the best performance of Valentina Shevchenko's career. She pitched a perfect game against someone that very few people to that to that point, no one had really pitched a perfect game like that against Jessica Andrade. And she just it was just pillar to post eight minutes and 19 seconds valentina just ran her over that was the last time i can remember her coming I mean, in with this much intensity she also had a spectacular showing against lauren murphy yeah that was really the peak of valentina I if she comes in and does her. that to lexa grasso um i guess I, i'll I guess, feel a little dumb <laughs> that i ever doubted her and yeah i'm wondering too is this going to be seen as a um uh an uh Amanda Nunes Pena type thing if she dominates yes. where it, yeah. it was clear that's why I, I agree if I think everyone sure. agreed that it was Grosso's got more pressure on her because she doesn't want to become the Juli, the flyweight Julia Pena she just caught the champ on off night I guess. she needs so, this more I, I agree the more the more we talk about right. it the more I completely agree because Shevchenko's she, her legacy's already set now it's just sure. can mm-hmm. her legacy get better she's already a Hall of Famer she's already the GOAT flyweight so, uh, yeah. Cool, cool. Casey, I assume you already have a question queued up, but I do want to make uh, sure we get to, to Carol Man 91 I don't know if you see this one. Um, if Grasso wins, is she the fighter of the year? Let's go for it. Yeah. I, I, well, I saw it because it just made me... I, I remember, I think we, we actually had this discussion... Um, I between can't between her and Strickland, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, but it, it might be exactly. It's between her and Strickland at this point. And theoretically, you would give Grasso the edge because, like, well, if, if they both pulled off, you know, big upsets, but if Grasso does it twice, then surely she's the fight of the year. But I, I would also say I view the Strickland upset as bigger, at least in the moment. Um, so she could she's be the fighter she, of the year. Jed, you don't like it because you you I don't want to make so, you don't want to make someone fight of the year if they just beat the same person twice. Absolutely not. I think you're it's, saying, yeah. Um, I think it's impossibly dumb. Your same reason for not wanting to put Volk over uh, Jose, Jose Aldo because like three of his wins are all no, no. That, that was Max. It was Max Holloway over Jose Aldo. Um, not, oh, yeah. Well, oh, oh, okay. Or, or, or it was Max Holloway beating Jose Aldo twice to win Fighter mm-hmm. of the Year. Yeah. Right, right. Um, just don't. I uh, and on the Max one was like super clear. This one, there's at least maybe more argument depending on the fight unfolds. But like Max, he just beat Jose the exact same way. It was an identical fist fight for the most part. Like, cool. You, we knew after the first one that you are an awful style matchup for this dude, and you did it again. Like, it's just uh, give me a variety of opponents. It will be an incredible achievement for her to be Valentina Shevchenko twice. Um, uh, she at this point probably isn't even in my top five. I'd have to really think about it. But she'd be in my top five. She would be in my she, top five. She might sure. crack five, but if John Jones beats Stipe, it's gonna like honestly. I think the I think the case will be Strickland versus Jones, and I would probably still lean Strickland. Strickland Jones, and then um, honestly, the actual correct answer of person who had the best wins. Uh, would be Islam Makachev if he beats Charles Oliveira. Or yeah, conversely, if Charles Oliveira reclaims mm. his title and beats Makachev and Benny Dariush, those are the two best wins anybody has this year. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. all three of those would undeniably for me be ahead of Grosso. Um, and so like, yeah, I should be the female fighter of the year, I guess. But yeah, for I, sure. I would say that yeah. she should not be in this conversation realistically. It, it, 
it does feel more compelling when you have a, like other names in there, right? Because we should remember it wasn't just Strickland um, beating Adesanya. He beat uh, Imavov. I'm pretty sure he was the underdog in the Imavov fight. I could be wrong. Uh, if I was at 205, no? too. It was, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was also on five days. Yeah, it was, it was also on less yes, it was essentially a middleweight fight. It's essentially a middleweight yeah, fight, right? No, just you guys. Actually, that's what's tricky. I remember stricken, well, whatever. That's that's be that's in the past. But I remember stricken yeah. saying, "I don't know why he took that fight at such a heavyweight because he was." Oh, but, 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 but remember, Imavov is not is not a light heavyweight either, right? So it was. They're both middleweights. Yeah. Right? They're both middleweights. They were just, just more cutting. Where guys didn't cut weight, right? I, so there's no. Yeah, I will also and then, say, and then he he just he destroyed Abus Magomedov. Oh, I don't know. And look, Abus. So, Casey, I'm totally with you on that, but there is definitely part of this, like with all of these sorts of awards across sports, that is narrative. And the idea um, in January that Sean Strickland would be here, like that adds some juice to his oh, case. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. Turn I mean, of the year, Sean Strickland was off the betting boards for end of year middleweight champion. And now look at him like that. That gives you some juice. Actually, actually like, if, if- – if anything, Strickland is without a doubt. I mean, it sounds weird saying it, fighter of the year and breakthrough fighter of the year, considering where I'm, he started and where he ended. If we still did breakthrough, I would a thousand percent be voting yeah, him for breakthrough fighter of the year. Um, sure. I will probably not be voting him fighter of the year. The winner of Makachev Oliveira is going to be my fighter of the year. I'm like 90% sure of. Yeah. Right now, Strickland's be- the front runner. Because those two wins sure. are better. <laughs> If Makachev beats Volkanovski in the fight of the year and then again dummies Charles Oliveira, it's going to be really hard for me to say anyone had a better year than that. And conversely, if Oliveira dummies Benny Dariush, who everyone thought was the second coming, and then reclaims his title by beating the top pound-for-pound fighter in the world, it's also going to be very hard for me to say he didn't have the best year in the sport. Yeah, Charles for me will be number one. If, if he if he manages to pull off that that win in the rematch, Charles number yeah. one easily. I don't know, but and I, but it's weird. I don't know if I feel the other way though. Though I'm not sure why. You're right, Islam. In that you're, you've always been an Islam hater. You're on team Charles. No, I'm I just want to see Khabib come back and lose to Charles Oliveira. It's still possible. It's still in play. It's still in play. Khabib has done a lot for Islam. I also think that there is this part of our heads that is like. He's not Habib, and so people subconsciously dock him in like the pound for pound spot because it's like, mm. well, we know that you're not as good as Habib because that's literally what was told to us the entire time in the gym. <laughs> Look how great he is. He's almost as good as Habib. <laughs> All right. Uh, and for the betters. By the way, oh, by the way, sorry, someone in the oh. comments says Islam got worked by Volk. He got worked by Volk? Settle down. The guy that won got worked. <laughs> it's almost like four work. rounds it's of that settle fight. Brandon, <laughs> I love you. Settle down. Settle down. Yeah. Islam won four rounds of that fight. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a great fight. Fight of the yeah. year. Fight of the year. Uh, what's the Mexico parlay? I mean, that's pretty easy. You take all the Mexican fighters and you parlay them together. There are five uh, fighters on topology with a Mexican flag next to their name. You can expand it if you want to add, you know, uh, Raul Rosas Jr., who certainly, um, I, I think he is like, I just can't remember. Is he like, was he born in Mexico? Or was he born in America? His parents are Mexican. He rocks the the sombrero and the flag. Like he is definitely mm-hmm. representing Mexico. Um, and then, he's, no, he's born here. He's born in the states. Was he born? He's, yeah. yeah. Um, but his all his fights were in like Tijuana, right? Like when he's eighteen. Uh, Tracy Cortez, Mexican heritage, um, like that's so you can get up to like seven of them. I personally have parlayed the Mexican favorites because I didn't want to parlay Alexa Grasso on top of already betting her and betting her by decision prop. Um, so I 
I've just parlayed up Zell Huber, Padilla, um, Chires, and uh, uh, Godinus. So just and the four legs, like no, 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 uh, no junior. No, yeah, no, just those okay, four, legs. four uh, legs. I left okay. Raul Rosas off, um, but plus two thirty nine is what that pays out really? on draft. That four legger pays out. Um, again, a lot of very big odds. I mean, Godin has is minus four twenty five. All the other legs are minus two, uh, two eighteen, two fifty, minus two ninety. It's all pretty high, pretty high yeah. juice. Adding, honestly, adding Rosas Jr. turns it from plus two thirty nine to plus two eighty one because he's a minus eight hundred favorite. It's just not worth it. Is what you're saying? It's really not worth. Well, it. Well, yeah. Also, you right, know, I'm just going tricks. with the Mexican flag on topology. Uh-huh. That's who I'm deciding is Mexican um, for this one. Sure. Yeah. Man. I like it. Yeah. It's fun parlay. I'm, you know, get up. Uh, I've got a busy day tomorrow. So I wake up, you know, maybe, maybe do Mexican for lunch. Be nice. I'm going to the Atlanta United game before the event. Lionel Messi's in Atlanta. I'm going to watch him probably put the boots to us. It's going to be great. Okay. There you go. Sorry. Cool. Cool. All right. We'll take one more. Well, there you go. Will you guys be eating Mexican food on Saturday for the fight night? I mean, yeah. it's not a bad idea. I never we had tacos. It. We had tacos in the Heck household last yeah. night. So I, oh. I, live, I live in Gardena, California. So yes, there we, <laughs> there's no no shortage of good no shortage of Mexican food in my neighborhood. I mean, that's that's the dream. It's just the dream. Mexican is the greatest of cuisines. I'm I'm of that opinion. It's pretty damn good. You got you guys. I could rock. Are you fans of Flan? Big Flan fans? Not a huge Flan fan. Also, that's a movie quote that I can't remember. Um, But it's not bad, but it's not my go-to, certainly. I'm a big fan. Respect the Flan. Uh, I mean, I I respect it, you know. Custard's (laughs) custard, baby. But it's not creme brulee, you know. (laughs) Uh, Questions? Questions, people? Questions? I think we're good. No, I think we're good. I think we're good. AK wants to keep talking. AK is committed to discussing. Hey, 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 do, do you have a question that we need to answer? Uh, in your mind. I have a question. Yeah. Um, oh wait, actually, maybe you guys. Oh. maybe there is an answer. Why is Roman Kapilov fighting Josh Framed on this card? What is that? Dude, that was, that's one of our. That's one of our mutant matchups. That was uh, Chris oh. Curtis was supposed to fight Anthony Hernandez, and and Kapilov okay. replaced Curtis, and Framed replaced Hernandez. So. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess fl- having fluffy. Okay, I, I'm in on the, that now. Like that's just one, such a standout weird fight. So that's another uh, boat of Theseus, ship of Theseus uh, fight. By the way, is this is this still Chris Curtis versus Anthony Hernandez? You tell me. I don't know. Oh, actually, um, can I get a prediction from you guys since we didn't talk about it real mm-hmm. quick? So I think this fight's super interesting. Cortez versus Yazdif. I don't know how to say it. Yazdif. Yazdif. Um, I'm going to assume we talked about this on no bets board. I'm leaning towards, uh, Yasmin just because I've never been all the way sold on Tracy Cortez. And I think she's going to be considerably smaller when they're standing across from each other, like in the cage. I think that's probably enough, but, um, as one of the most competitive fights on the card, at least on paper, mm-hmm. certainly. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was not a slightly favorite. I was out of Yasmin. I, I didn't believe in her until I saw what she, the work that she did to Miranda Maverick. So, I, and even though I think, that was it was, I think it was an off night for Miranda Maverick, but regardless, 
Yasmin did it and put the boots to her. So um, I, I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm about to jump on that Yasmin hype train. I'm kind of. If that kinda, version of her. She's looked really good. Her, yeah. Yeah. She had, I, I just, I, I just did it. I think, did, did she start in the UFC off, off a loss? Did she get her butt kicked? No. BK Hansen. No, she she BK BK Hansen, Hansen and then Natty Ice gassed her up. Yeah, yeah no that's what it was. No but I mean, it's Natty Ice, you know? That's that's yeah. Mike's favorite fighter. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of before we knew who she was, too. Yeah. yeah. If if the version of her that beat Maverick shows up on Saturday, I think she handily beats Tracy Cortez. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very, um, I'm very hesitant to get behind Canadian... I, I hesitate to even say, I guess she is a prospect. Pro, yeah, she's only no. been fighting for three or four years. No, I mean, she's only been she's, fighting for three or four years. She's 34. If you I know. 34, 34 years young. 34 years young. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's only been fighting since 2019, you know? So um, I, I'm hesitant to say prospect. She would be a prospect according to uh, Ultimate Fighter 31 yeah. uh, guidelines. She could still fit in there. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm just reverse jinxing. And, I, you know, I don't want to put my heart into another Canadian because – we just haven't had a big, like a big hitter in a while. Um, but I do think the best version of her beats the best version of Tracy Cortez right now. It, it, it's hard to know what to, what to what you're getting from um, Cortez after uh, coming off um, such a long layoff. Jazza just, that pace is going to be a problem for a lot of women in this division. She doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Like even that, like Natty Ice kicked her, Natty Ice punched her and kicked her in the face seemingly a thousand times and Jazz <laughs> just kept coming. That's great. Uh, and I don't think Tracy had, Tracy certainly doesn't have the striking prowess to, to stop Jasmine. Now, could she take Jasmine down and kind of lay out her and beat her up down there and just hold her out on the floor? Sure. She's done that to a lot of people, but if she can't, if she doesn't have a lot of success late in this fight wrestling, Jasmine's just going to kind of inch her way back. I could see Cortez winning the first round, getting a, getting a takedown and after a pretty even start, maybe winning the first round. And then maybe in the second round, she tries for another takedown. Jasmine stuffs it. And then she starts turning it on. And then Jasmine just keeps running downhill from there. So I'm picking Jasmine too. I think there's value on her um, from a betting perspective as well, but it's the third best. It's the third most interesting fight on this card for sure. It's the main event. It's the co-main event. It's this fight. The one more one more fight I want to shout out, one weird effort. I kept forgetting. I almost forgot to bring it up during the weigh-ins, and I almost forgot to bring it up now. The return of Alex Reyes. Oh uh, people probably don't even know, don't even remember. He had one UFC fight. He fought Mike Perry. This was six years ago. It will be exactly six years ago when he steps into the cage on Saturday night. Uh, September 16th, 2017. Almost 2,200 days on the shelf. He has been dealing with osteomyelitis, uh, osteomyelitis bone infection uh, i'm not a doctor that sounds pretty serious to me i'm glad to hear he's taking this time off but he was a 30 year old man when he made his usa debut he's 36 now he's one of the bigger underdogs in the card and he's also facing a guy who's pretty pretty like decent in charlie campbell a newcomer uh coming on a short notice who's, who's uh, actually fought for some decent organizations so i understand why he's a big underdog but this is kind of a fun little wild card pick here um alex reyes the, the older brother of dominic reyes Maybe they're just giving him one more fight because he's been under contract this whole time. And, you know, if he loses, then it's uh, happy trails. Or maybe we get a nice little little comeback story here. I, I, I honestly have no idea what to expect here. I just know Reyes is a monster underdog. Campbell's a big favorite. And uh, I'm glad it's the second fight of the night because I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how this one's going to go. Shout out to John Ray MMA on Twitter who uh, reached out to me to uh, inform me a true fact that I have since confirmed. Uh, the last time Alex Reyes fought, 
Valentina Shevchenko was still competing at Bantamweight. She had not <laughs> yeah. dropped crazy. to 125 to start her title reign the last time Alex Reyes stepped into the cage because that didn't happen yeah. until 2018. So yeah. uh, that's pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know. It, it, has he just been, you know, has this time off just been actually really, really good for him while he recovers from this this condition? And is he in peak shape for a 36-year-old? You know, not a lot of mileage for a 36-year-old fighter. And then he's going to, you know, shock Charlie Campbell. Or is Charlie Campbell... Uh, again, even though he's coming on a short notice, I think someone who's going to get who he was going to get picked up by the UFC sooner rather than later, or at least get a contender series shot, um, uh, is he going to just you know do what he's supposed to do and take care of business here against a, a considerably older fighter? I don't know, but fun fun one for the uh, second fight in the prelims. The entirety of one of the most dominant runs as champion, he has been gone for. That is. Good luck, buddy. Might, I hope you do well. He might have come back for the beginning of her second dominant run. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I guess we'll find out. Yes. That's a new By gambling thing going forward. Alex Reyes, maybe he's the, maybe he's connected to, to Shevchenko's dominance somehow, Jeff. It's gonna we'll be a wild. It's, it. it's gonna be an interesting fight. It's gonna be an interesting fight. Charlie, he could beat Charlie Campbell. Sure. I like Charlie. Charlie's a fun, exciting guy. But wouldn't it be something if Alex Reyes in the second fight of the night? And I'm picking it to happen too. My topology pick will be Alex Reyes. Third six round year, six comeback. Year layoff. Six comeback layoff. finish. Charlie Campbell 10 8s him in the first round, but Alex just battles up and then comes back and chips away and finishes Charlie Campbell Ra- Ra- round three. Ra- Ra- I'm putting Ra- up Rose's those Jr. wasn't vibes. even born yet. I did the math. He wasn't even born yet. The last math. We actually did did say this on No Bet's board. He was in like the sixth grade. <laughs> um, also, Mike, didn't you say this is a tremendous that Charlie Cam? Didn't you say that Charlie Campbell's entire career fighting career has happened hadn't even started yet? Yeah. So he, Charlie oh, Campbell's wow. entire amateur and professional career has happened during this layoff. All of it. Charlie Campbell's amateur career started in 2018. So yes, because Reyes' last fight was 2017. Like he's Crazy. all of it happened. It's absolutely nuts. Mike, you just had a brilliant idea. I hope our friends at Tapology, uh, a very very good website, um, will allow us to add a a comeback multiplier for picks and be like, this one's going to be a comeback. Because um, I think I you it. should get more points on Tapology if you correctly predict a comeback. Cool. That's heroic. I'm the guy who said that Tai Tuivasa versus Alexander Volkov was going to end in second round Ezekiel choke during the watch party before that fight even began. Now, I mean, only I had use vibes. your powers for good, Mike. <laughs> yes, only so use maybe. your powers for good. But it's going to be Charlie Campbell's going to like look good. He's going to have Alex in such trouble, but then Alex is just going to battle back because he's been through worse. He's been through worse than Charlie Campbell punching him in the face. And what a moment it will be. It'll set the tone for a very fun Noche UFC card going down tomorrow. People's pre-fight show leading into the card. And perfect oh, exit wow. music, everybody. This is absolute fire. Absolute also, fire. Also, Shana Tava to all of our Jewish watchers. Woohoo. Yes. Rosh Hashanah. Well, we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. For AK, for Casey, for Jed, I am Mike Heck. Get a good night's sleep. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Love y'all. Love all of y'all. Buenos dias.
listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.